0: And it just felt weird uh, to have to, um, you know, go ahead and uh, and just spend all that money and just go down to zero. I was like, I was, I was so used. You you get so used to like grinding every week, you know, and you're just trying to like. Um, Khalil Herbert comes to mind. Like he was uh he was a pickup um, when Montgomery went down, and. You know, that that worked out. So it was just kind of like every week I felt like I was like streaming running backs.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, and this was actually a kind of a good year, I thought, to stream at running back. I mean, I, I had a little bit more success with it than uh, some some years that we've done it.
2: Yeah, it's, it was we, there was if you were going to come up with a every year, I kind of like to do like an all waiver wire team. This year it might not be as impressive, but if you start if you look at like R B two collectively, actually RB one and R B two would be Elijah Mitchell and Cordero Patterson. But if you put up like the like a flex collectively, you'd have all these running backs that gave you like four weeks and that was I I think it was you guys are both spot on. It was like a weird year for that. Mm-hmm. Yep, for sure. All right.
1: Well, we have, we've been live for a couple minutes. As soon as uh, Nelson started talking about having anxiety, I was totally relating to that. So I had to go live because <laughs> I, I was sitting there doing the same thing. You know, you've got, you know, five, eight, nine, ten dollars whatever it is in leagues, you know, and you're just like, okay, how can I, how can I spend this and get maximum effect? And then, uh, you know, you come off of that, and then you come into a week 15 that's just a, a bloodbath. So, yeah, uh, you know. But anyway, we're gonna we're gonna roll the intro here, and then we'll uh, get into the show for real.
3: Goat District, you know the Pope.
1: All right, welcome everybody. We are here live with uh, the one and only franchise twelve, Nelson Sousa, um, and we've already we've already been uh, we started the conversation a few minutes ago. I got I got to confess um, we we did a little bit before the intro, but uh, Nelson, welcome to the show. We're glad to have you on, and uh, looking forward to chopping it up with you.
0: No, thanks, guys. It's always a pleasure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Nelson, uh, I mean, if you don't know who who Nelson is, uh, you probably haven't been listening to the the Goat District for too long because uh, his name has come up uh, many times throughout the course of the show. Uh, He's well, well known in uh, the high-stakes world as one of the absolute top dogs. I mean, you know, uh, if if, if I'm naming even my top three, uh, you know, Nelson's right there. Uh, I'm, I'm never going to try to name the top one because that's going to cause fights, but, uh, you know, it's, uh, it it, 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 there's no doubt that Nelson's right in that, that conversation for all of that and for sure within the top three. So, and, uh, Nelson is, uh, currently leading the, the Roto or the, yeah, Roto world or Roto wire online challenge on the NFFC, um, He's, he's five points, clear second place, which doesn't seem like a lot. But after the bloodbath that this last week was, I mean, you know, sitting up at the top of that leaderboard has got to feel just absolutely fantastic. So uh, yep. welcome, Nelson. And, uh, you know, what else you got going on uh, fantasy football-wise this year? And uh, just kind of give us a little recap.
0: Yeah, it, it's kind of funny because uh, it, it kind of feels like that one team was probably the only thing that did go right uh, for me last week. Um, I just, I, I, I'm still more in shock of all the teams that disappointed and, uh, just how ugly, uh, last week was between, you know, players not playing because of COVID and we had injuries and things like that. And then, and then just under, you know, poor performances. Um, it was the worst week by, by far um you know obviously for me personally it was the worst week and that's bad timing uh but I'm sure there was a lot of people out there that uh ended up having a bad week you you basically you essentially needed to have Lamar Jackson uh team which uh Theo and I uh you know we had that and um you needed to pair him with Huntley. So when Lamar Jackson was out last week, you know, you you plug in Huntley and he had a monster game, and then you needed to have have one of those two tight end builds where you had Kelsey and Andrews uh, together and they kind of, you know, you you could have sustained a couple of single-digit scores from other players uh, with the monster games that uh, those guys had.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, it it was a super weird week in that way. Um, I I was reading that uh, as far as the Sunday slate of games goes, this was the fewest touchdowns since 1994. Uh, It certainly felt like it. 40 touchdowns uh, on the Sunday slate. And I know it was a little bit of a smaller Sunday slate due to the, you know, postponing some games. But, uh, you know, with buys, we have had Sunday slates that small as well, uh, you know, in the past. So, uh, you know, it's not like it's uh, never happened before that we've had a, a, a slate that small and to have that few touchdowns. And then like at least half of them were scored by, you know, the, the backup tight end for uh, Detroit. who I can't even remember what his name is. Uh, you know, you got Duke Johnson coming out there and scoring two, which I'm sure we all saw coming. And you know it just on and on. I mean, you know, you you guys lived through it the same as we did. Uh, it was just it it was ugly and it was disheartening, and it seemed like a lot of the uh, the big name players that we count on just absolutely crashed and
2: burned. And we also had it was it was such a tease to start the week out with the uh you know the Chargers and Chiefs, where it's you know if you have Kelsey, you're you're feeling fantastic. You have Tyree Kill, you're feeling fantastic. Keenan Allen. And then, you know, you feel great about how the weekend's going and you kind of get to the point of the, the, you know, the one o'clock games actually, actually, you know, kick off and there wasn't any real late, you know, guys out with COVID. You kind of knew what was going on and then the games start and it's just like, what is going on? And then you have the bailout game, the Sunday night game, where you have so much exposure to Tampa Bay and then, you know, Alvin Kamara for a lot of players like like Dan and I on the team, we split um, and it was just you couldn't even believe uh, how how bad that game was for fantasy. So it was just, it was one of the craziest weeks. Um, It was, it was just nuts. Um, You know, it's, it seems like it's been a wild season and this was just like the exclamation point to it.
0: Yeah. It was pretty gross. (laughs)
1: Exactly. And and Theo brings up a good point. Uh, You know, a lot of the issue is with stacks. You know, the stacks that got you there uh, into the championship round, were the were the very same stacks that absolutely failed us? You know, if you were on a Dallas stack, uh, you know it just wasn't good. If you were on a Tampa stack, wasn't good. Uh, New England was, uh, you know, nobody nobody was really stacking New England, but I know a lot of people were were using their kicker in defense. Even in
0: Arizona, you know, yeah. with Ky- you know Kyler and you know James Conner, you know, you mm-hmm. figure against Detroit, you know, you, you you're pretty confident that Kyler's going to put up a good game. Connor's probably going to have a good game. And it was, it was none of it. So I, I, I think that that game probably kind of was the warning sign. Uh, Cause that was a one o'clock game, right? Yep.
2: Yeah. That
0: was, I think that game there was kind of like the warning sign of like, Oh shit, what, what the heck's happening here?
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. So it, you know, while we're talking about it, I mean, you know, obviously COVID has uh, influenced our playoffs a lot more than uh, any of us could have hoped. Uh, You know, and I think, uh, you know, this, this is kind of what we all feared last year and it didn't really ever happen last year. By the time we got to the playoffs, you know, games were back on schedule and everything else. But then this year uh, it's, you know, I, I assumed with, uh, you know, so many players vaccinated and everything that, you know, that COVID would have a hard time getting its hold on any one team or anything like that. And that just wasn't the case at all. So, uh, you know, how, what are you doing uh, Nelson with um, all the COVID issues going on in this playoffs and, you know, injuries and everything else, are you doing anything different than you were doing during most of the regular season as far as setting your lineups?
0: Um. It's like it's like survival mode to be honest. Like I, I'm not doing anything special because, uh, the the actually the weeks that I feel like right now we need to have waivers and and be able to pick up guys, um, we're we're not able to. Uh, so you know that stopped you know last week. So it's like I'm just trying to have healthy bodies, uh, you know, on my rosters. I'm 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 hoping and praying that you know. Guys, don't go on the COVID list. Like, for example, last week, I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, uh, it it looks like you know uh, Lockett is out, and then I got news. You know, Waddle was out. Waddle is, uh, you know, of my playoff teams remaining. You know, he's a huge percentage, uh, you know, of those playoff teams. So all of a sudden, I'm setting lineups, and I'm like, all right, uh, no Lockett, no Waddle. All of a sudden, you know, when you have like main guys that are you're counting in your lineup, and you're taking out two of them right off the bat at wide receiver, and then you start looking at your bench, and you're like, okay, this is this is not good. Uh, looking at some of the bench options, so the only the only thing I can offer is like, I I did feel like last week because games were getting pushed back, like the Philly Washington game and the Seahawks Rams. I felt, and it it just seemed like it was was crazy because it seemed like there was a group, a cluster of players, position players that were going on the COVID list every day as the week went on. So it was almost like hurry up and just, you know, if you've got guys like, uh, for example, the Saturday night game, uh, Colts, Patriots, uh, I have Stevenson on quite a few teams. And although it was a tough matchup and... You know, I didn't feel great about it. I, I did like the fact that, you know, Harris was out. I felt like they would stay competitive in that game. New England's got an elite, you know, O-line that Stevenson might be able to uh, grind out a decent game. So I played him over a bunch of players uh, just for the simple fact that I was like, I was afraid of, you know, listen, I, I convinced myself basically like, okay, it's Saturday night. Stevenson I think on paper is a pretty good play even though it was a tough defense and I just convinced myself to just play him over every you know pretty much everybody that I had that were going to play on uh you know Sunday Monday Tuesday because I I was looking at it as you know what let me just get the points out of him because I don't know you know what's going to happen I'm going to wait on a guy and then all of a sudden you know he he's going to come down with something
1: yeah, I think that's a, a that's a great point. I did kind of the same thing with uh, Mike Williams on uh, Thursday night. You know, I'd look at my lineups. You know, and by Thursday, it was real easy to see how the week was going. So, you know, and at that point, we didn't even know that they were going to be for sure pushing any games back. Uh, you know, hoping they would, but we didn't know that. And, you know, I looked at, at some of my leagues and I'm like, okay, if, uh, if one more player goes down, if I don't play Mike Williams tonight, I'm going to be, you know, starting some total scrub. So, you know, even though I didn't like Mike Williams, as well as, you know, one of the players that I still had on my bench, I was just like, I think I probably better go ahead and start Mike Williams. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it, it's tough to make moves like that, you know, because you you feel like you're doing something that, you know, you would never do in a normal week because it's just suboptimal. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but all of a sudden you're just like, well, you know, how how can i preserve as many points as possible and uh you know that's one of the ways
2: we're having, you, to weigh, we're having to weigh things um into our you know start sit evaluations right. that you never ever thought you'd have to to weigh into it i mean you think back to a normal stressful year where you get this late in the year and you might be between two guys for a flex spot and you go back and forth and back and forth and now it's like let's play the guy with the thursday game that has a guarantee of of actually getting on the field that's it's just nuts. I really hope that um that this doesn't carry on into next season, um, because it's it's a ridiculous way to compete for, you know, big prizes in, in fantasy seasons. And you do like to see the um, you know, the the you know, the best teams win in these in the especially in these contests and not be a team where, you know, maybe this guy had less guy, less of his studs go down to COVID than the team behind them. Um it's kind of an unfortunate thing, but I mean, here we are, and we're trying to do the best we can with it.
0: Yep.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, And, you know, as far as this week upcoming, uh, any thoughts on uh, players you're you're probably going to end up playing, you know, like anybody from the Thursday game that was kind of, you know, an on-the-fence player that you might uh, end up starting that you might not otherwise start?
0: Probably, um, I surprisingly, I actually ended up with some of my A.J. Brown teams made the playoffs. Uh, I'm not sure how that happened because usually when you, you lose one of your first two-round, you know, first or second-round pick, uh, for a majority, I mean, he really didn't do anything uh, all year long. And then even when he was in your lineup, I think you got one good week out of him. like you know, I think there was more bad weeks than, than good weeks. So um, he's probably a guy that I'm now sitting there looking at lineups, you know, trying to decide if uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and play him. Um, And then I, I have a lot of uh, Deontay Foreman. So he's another guy that I feel like it's again, not the greatest matchup, but you know, he looks pretty good to me out there. Um, He's he's been getting banged up in the game the last two weeks and, you know, coming off and then it's like, ah, crap, you know, you don't know if he's going to come back on and then, you know, ends up having a pretty good game last week. Um, So he's probably a guy that I really got to make a decision on, on a lot of my teams, you know, whether he's a good play, is he a safe play? You know, I got to decide, I got to decide what my mindset is going to be. And I got to, figure out if I'm going to try to be uh, use that as kind of like like in general for all my teams, or if I'm going to, you know, decide like, okay, this specific team, you know, I'm going to be a little more aggressive and I'm just going to, I'm going to wait on some other players and, and then make those lineup calls. I I was just, I was gradually going through, you know, some of my lineups. I haven't dug in yet uh, to uh, really look at them and, and see what, the matchups look like and everything. But I, I do know that Foreman was like that one guy that was sticking out that I got to make a decision on for a Thursday, Thursday player.
1: Yep. Makes sense. I'm, I have, uh, I don't, I don't really have that much Foreman. I've got more Jeff Wilson and he's a guy I'm kind of having the same dilemma on, uh, you know, cause he really didn't look that good the first couple weeks he played. But then last week, uh, you know, he started kind of putting it together a little bit. So, uh, you know, there's there are there are definitely teams where I'm I'm weak at running back uh, because of injuries or COVID, and and uh, you know, I'm looking at him as you know being a, a not great option, but I'm not sure. You know, in, in, unless uh, I get some good news on on a couple other players, uh, I think you know I might end up having to play him. Uh, yeah, he. Neil,
0: he, he's another tricky one Dan because mm-hmm. uh Tennessee's actually been playing pretty good against the run yeah. uh, lately so it, it's it's tricky because you you know he's going to get a he's going to get a decent workload he's going to be out there um mm-hmm. you know on Thursday you know at least come game time right now knock on wood he's going to be we're expecting him to be out there but yeah it, it it's kind of where where our mind you know uh, our thought process has shifted you know, where we're, we're just kind of like, OK, he's a healthy body. And, you know, do I plug him in rather than you're just looking, you know, before, you know, you're looking at, OK, you're choosing between two or three guys and it's it's all about, you know, matchup. And who do you think has the most upside? And I think last week kind of scarred us a little bit.
1: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. And I th- I think, uh, you know, you kind of had a good point too, Nelson about just looking at it team specific. You know, where is the team in the standings? Uh, you know, who, who's available on that team? You know what? You know, and just you have to figure out how to play it team by team. You know, there's no one, you know, blanket answer that's going to work for every team. Uh, you know, I have a couple teams that are, you know. I I hate to say any team is out of it, uh, given the, you know, the wild, you know, way that last week went. Uh, It's, you know, even if you're sitting well back, uh, you know, you could have the good week and then the other teams that had a great week last week could have a bad week, but uh, you know, it's, it's a little bit tougher to see those going. So if you're up near the top, I think those are the ones you really want to concentrate on and then uh, think think about the other ones a little bit more as you have time.
2: I think that, I think that's a great call, uh, Dan. You have to prioritize which teams are realistically, um, you know, are a threat and which ones are not. And I think that's also a big thing for uh, home leaguers um, as well. Um, I had a, a question, Nelson. If, if this is more of a of a home leaguers that still have you know waivers and that sort of thing, um, how do you handle you know a start your studs versus you know, red hot players that we see every single year. We see some of these guys catch fire. Um, maybe, you know, how would you like, you know, weigh out like an Amon Ross St. Brown, a Gabe Davis, some of these ascending wide receivers that are a little bit hot versus maybe a wide receiver that is, you know, a perceived wide receiver two type. Um, Do you start looking for the hotter guys or do you kind of go back to, to and look at matchups? I mean, how would you weigh something like that? And I, I don't really have a good start set for them against, but, you know, like a Terry McLaurin versus a Gabe Davis versus an Amon Ross St. Brown, that sort of thing?
0: Yeah, that's a good question because um, what I can say is, you know, through the years, I haven't been af- afraid of being wrong. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, like even, you know, this year at FTN, um, you know, we're, we're on the Discord chat and we're talking about you know before Thursday game and the Sunday games and you know guys are asking lineup questions that you know they've got some difficult questions which you know is great because that means they built uh, you know quality depth on their bench throughout the year but um, I I'm not afraid to you know start a, a a store brand name versus you know the you know the you know, the the normal uh, guy like McLaren, for example, like Amon Ross St. Brown right now is hot. And and I believe in that. I believe that players go through stretches where they're on fire. Like um, before he got hurt, Elijah Moore was on fire and he was a guy that you had to you had to like wrap your head around it and have the mindset that, hey, you got to play this guy over some other Players That you normally wouldn't because he is hot. It was the same thing, you know, beginning of the year with Mike Williams, you drafted Mike Williams, probably in the 10th round, somewhere around there. And he started off on fire and you're, you're looking at it and you're like, wait a minute, you know, th- this is a top 12 wide receiver right now. Like I, I, I can't keep just putting him on the bench and, and, you know, watching those 20 point games, you know, out of my lineup. So yeah, I mean, I think it, it depends on the matchup, but that that's definitely something that I consider. I don't – I mean, I try not to get too cute. Like, I I, I believe in, like, you know, start your studs. Um, but there has to be – there's got to be a valid reason why you're not going to start a guy, you know. I I, I just don't – I don't like getting, you know, too – too cute with stuff where it's like, you know, Amonra, St. Brown versus, you know, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm trying to think of like Deontay Johnson, that, that would be one. Like, I, I feel like that's just getting too cute. You're just, you're playing Deontay Johnson. He, he's getting like a, whatever it is, like a 30% target share. Um, You know, he's got huge, tremendous upside. He, yeah he's coming off a bad game and st brown's coming off a great game but that's the kind of like the it's those kind of things that you you're if you start getting cute and like feeling like now that's a conversation that you need to have you're gonna drive yourself crazy and you're probably gonna not have much success throughout the year
1: yeah i, I think that makes sense you know and a lot of it kind of depends on how that, uh, you know, that better player, you know, the, the the player that you drafted higher, however you want to put it, uh, how they've been playing of late. Like, uh, you know, for me, Deontay Johnson versus Amon Ross St. Brown isn't really much of a, a, a difficult call, you know, for the same reason. It's just you got to, you know, Deontay Johnson's been working all year, basically, um, you know, but then you look at somebody like Amari Cooper, um, and now all of a sudden in my mind, I'm starting to think a little bit more uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, he just hasn't, you know, Dallas has not been doing well of late, uh, you know, his last five, six games, he's had one decent game. And, you know, so then all of a sudden it's like, Hmm, what do I do here? And, uh, you know, I think again, you have to kind of, kind of weigh the matchups and think about, uh, you know, the upside and how bad you need it, you know, and, and uh, you know, if if, if you just, need a comfortable score uh, because you're in your league playoffs and you feel like you can beat the the other team, maybe go ahead and start Cooper. But I'm, you know, I'm a big believer in, uh, you know, if don't, don't try to find the easiest loss or the friendliest loss, Uh, you know, if, and when you're playing in championship runs, uh, you know, of all the big contests and anything other than, uh, you know, basically swinging for the fences is, is going to be a problem. Uh, you know, it's not going to help you out. I mean, you don't want to, you don't want to take crazy chances, but on the other hand, uh, you know, if, if you feel like one player has upside and the other one doesn't, you're going to play the player with upside most of the time. Uh, how do you feel about that, Nelson?
0: I I agree. I mean, we, you know, we saw kind of like an example of it where, um, you know, with Dalvin cook uh, a week ago where uh, it was a Thursday night game, and and people were really you know concerned uh, with how effective he was going to be because uh, he was basically like questionable going into the game. But, um, and and you, and you know you you see it in the Discord chat at at FTN Dan where, you know, guys were asking questions and it it was like a le- it was like a legit question of you know okay Dalvin or Madison you know mm-hmm. who are we who are we playing and. I didn't – I looked at it as like, listen, th- I don't have stats to back it up. I just th- – I was going off of memory. And I and I said to them that, you know, uh, you know, anytime Dalvin's been banged up and he's gone into a game questionable and then he's been active, there is no like Darrell Henderson, Sony Michelle type of treatment where he just sits, you know, on the sideline and watches Alexander Madison – you know, run with the ball. It, it's always been, you know, it's Dalvin's game. Uh, so, yeah, he could get hurt. He could re-aggravate his shoulder injury, and and you're you're done. You know, it could be in the first quarter, could be in the third quarter. But I I think that's a situation where you just you got to play you got to play your guy. You know, at, at that point. So um, I think this week there was I think we we had another one. What, what was it this week? I, I want to say there was like another question on a on a guy whether you know to play. Uh-huh. Him or not.
2: We had uh we, we gave Gabe Davis and, and uh, Amon Ra. Um We also for, we also.
0: You're you're saying you're saying for like for this week coming up, like that 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 question. I w- I was talking like as far as like a like a top player, mm-hmm. you know versus, like, like a, a top player struggling, like Amari Cooper, you know, yeah. for for example. Um, oh, it was um, – last week was Eckler. Again, Thursday night oh. game, and it was a guy, you know, coming in, questionable. There was even, you know, a report out there uh, that said that Eckler was going to see limited snaps, which he was, you know, he, he did. Um, but that was, like, another situation where I don't know – I don't know if there's anything you can do other than just off of feel. So you, you, you know, I looked at it as like, like I played Eckler hundred percent. So where I had him, I wrote him all year. He was active. I knew he was going to be limited. I, I knew he wasn't a hundred percent, but I'm like, you know, damn, I'm not, I'm not going to pull a Dalvin and, you know, play Madison or, or place, you know, someone else and watch, you know, Eckler, you know, run for a hundred yards and two touchdowns and I'm going to be sitting there crying on, on Thursday night. I'm, I'm just going to play him. So, and and he ended up, you know, he probably could have ended up with a bigger game actually uh, based on his usage. Cause I, I questioned, you know, Staley not using him around the goal line. I felt like if, if there was anything, it was going to be, a lot of third down, and it was going to be, you know, once they got in the red zone, it was going to be him, and he's not, you know, off the field. And, you know, it was kind of like a, uh, you know, told you so moment when, like, Josh Kelly, you know, fumbled at the goal line. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, uh, you know, all of Eckler's touchdowns this year have been in the red zone, I believe. Uh, so it's like, you know, he's been super – super efficient, you know, and reliable. Why, you know, what are you doing? So he, he could have had an even bigger game. And I don't know if people, you know, it sat him, but he was another guy. It was like, you know, listen, if he's active, you're playing him. But Cooper, like to Dan's point, not to like beat a dead horse, but like Amari Cooper is a whole different story. Like I, I look at, you know, Dalvin Eckler, there was question, question marks like that. But then you have like McLaren And Amari Cooper, who have been struggling and haven't been playing well, you know, and and then they're also at the mercy of the quarterback throwing them the ball. So like McLaren, for sure, like that, that's an example of like I played Stevenson on Saturday in the flex over McLaren just because it was like, okay, Washington's dealing with covid issues. Who the heck is going to be throwing him the football? It's going to be Gilbert. Throwing them the football, you know, I'll just I'll just take the whatever I can get out of Stevenson on Saturday night rather than waiting till Tuesday to to play McLaren, and then, you know, Cooper's kind of in this the same boat, like struggling right now, and I think it's open for a debate on on who you play mm-hmm. over him,
1: definitely, and you know, as as we kind of transition off of that. Uh, are there any NFL teams that you really trust right now or any that you just absolutely don't trust right now? Uh, as far as like when you're setting your lineup, you know, do you look at, uh, you know, players on a particular team and you're like, mm, don't feel good about that?
0: Um, I, I, I don't necessarily look at it as like, you know, okay, these players are on these particular NFL teams. So I trust them. Uh, it's, it's the other, it's the opposite. It's, it's kind of like, you know, these guys are on, you know, the Houston Texans. These guys are on the New York Giants. Um, you know, bad coaching, uh, just, you know, on shitty teams. You know, that's probably the guys that I would question more uh, that I wouldn't necessarily trust. And then just everyone else, I, I don't look at it as like, you know, oh, OK, this guy's on this guy's on the 49ers or this guy's on the Ravens. So, you know, good coaching staff. I, I trust them. Like, I don't look at it that way, but definitely, you know, if they're on a shitty team and, you know, New York jets, you know, things like that, you know, you never know what, what could happen. And even though like Amonra St. Brown, for example, is doing, you know, performing well, he's on a heater and we see that's uh you know to end the year sometimes with like young players where they just come on late but like Detroit's another example of like two weeks ago we had uh you know Swift was out and Jamal Williams was on I believe it was the covid list right that that was his reasoning or or was it yes. some I think that's yeah. why he was out for sure yep so you're sitting there and you're like oh wait a minute you know is it Jefferson time you know uh this week or uh, I'm going to butcher his name, but Ukubiku or, or.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I know who you're talking about. Igubike or something. Yeah. We'll call, him, call, him, we'll call,
2: him God, call
0: him Godwin. Godwin. Let's call him Godwin. So, um, so you're, you're sitting there and you're like picking them, those guys up because you're like, all right, I'm going to play one of those and they call up from the practice squad, Craig Reynolds, and he gets all the run. So like, that's, that's an example of like a situation where it's like, you can't, Trust like the coaching staff, you know, on teams that are, you know, in the cellar. You know, they they're not, you know, they're not playing for a playoff spot, and they're getting a look at other players and, and guys like that. So, you know, that would be my example of situations where you you don't trust necessarily the team that the players on.
2: I think that's a great point um, by Nelson. I think you see people making that mistake a lot, where they're just chasing volume in a bad situation, and they think that they've kind of got the situation figured out. But there's always so many question marks with the usage. A lot of these teams that uh, maybe have nothing to play for or might want to get a look at a particular guy. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a, a dangerous game to try to predict um, these extremely crappy teams this time of year. It's like this, um, this Jacksonville versus Jets game. is such a weird game. And, and it's uh, it's just a hard game to predict a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, I don't want to see people trying to, like, use defenses and all that kind of stuff. I think it's better just to kind of stay away from these situations whenever you get an opportunity to.
1: Yeah, unless you've you've heard something, you know, specific like, uh, you know, uh, you know, the team wants to get a, a better look at, you know, player X or player Y, and you, you think they actually have a decent chance. This would be unlike uh, – like uh, Jake Fromm with uh, <laughs> with the Giants, uh, you know, even though we know the Giants wants to get a good look at him, uh, I'm fine with the Giants getting a good look at him, but I don't want to look at him on my fantasy team, uh, certainly not my starting lineup, and I probably don't want to look at any of his receivers either. So, uh, you know, the, those are all good points. And I, I think, you know, kind of what I pulled out of what Nelson was saying is, you know, we know who we don't trust, uh and who we do trust is gonna you know you you eliminate all the the ones you don't trust and then look at the teams you know that that are left and then figure out who you trust the most or the players you trust the most um from those that you haven't already just said no i'm not i'm not touching this is that fair to say yeah for
2: sure what are your what are your biggest lessons learned? Uh, Nelson um you know comes out with um his his fades list before the season. He's he's grinding hard. He's he's a very well prepared player. Um and he always seems to have it, a really good plan anytime you're in a draft against him. Or, you know, for, for me, I got a chance to draft with with Nelson this year on a couple of teams. Um what were your main lessons this year? You know, maybe some guys you could touch on some of the real hits like the Taylors, Ecklers. Cups, Debo's, what are your big lessons, um, you know, from maybe your preparation and then your takeaways with how it all turned out?
0: Um, Probably, you know, lessons learned, um, you know, like every year, you know, there's always a couple of particular guys that stick out that, you know, I get wrong. Um, and then I try to, it usually, I don't, I don't necessarily worry about it, uh, during the season, uh, it's kind of like you, you're aware of it, you know it happened like okay, this player sucks and I was wrong but I probably focus more on that after the season's over. So after the fantasy season's over, I usually take like a week to decompress, start watching you know NFL playoff games, and then I'll go back into our leagues and and start looking I go through all the draft boards. And I pull up my rankings. uh, So I have like a cheat sheet that that's how I draft. And and I look at how I ranked guys. Um, I don't necessarily like my cheat sheet is a little bit of a mix of ADP and uh, how I feel um, a guy where a guy should be ranked. So I do have some like aggressive you know, ranking sometimes. Um, so I'll take a look at that and then try to figure out and diagnose like what went wrong and then what went right. And I'd probably say like for the most part, I think like the way I built my teams, um, I, I, I thought was like a good way to build it. Um, a lot of my teams were just, you know, it was kind of like it was hanging your hat on one running back uh, whether you call it a modified zero running back strategy or an anchor running back strategy. <clears throat> I'm not sure, but, you know, it was probably a running back in the first two rounds and then four straight wide receivers, maybe a quarterback mixed in there. Um, and then I would hammer, you know, run my RB two and <clears throat> and hammer all the handcuffed running backs And that's kind of how I played it this year. Um, It was a lot of, it was a lot of like streaming uh, my RB two. So like I was hoping, you know, hang my hat on, on Taylor, Dalvin, Eckler, Najee Harris, um, you know, some of those players, for example. And then I had, you know, I wanted to have good wide receiver play. And for the most part, a lot, like, Ninety-five percent of my builds uh, were a wide receiver in the flex. Uh, I very rarely would you look at my teams uh, to start week one, uh, and it had you know like three running backs, and and you know the third third or fourth running back was in the flex. It, w- it was a lot of like you know four wide receivers, um, all you know playing in the flex, um, pushed back tight end. Uh, I wasn't into Kelsey, Kittle, Waller, uh, Hawkinson Pitts. you know, all those guys. I, I mixed them in just because of the sheer volume that I did, but, um, I, I was mostly, you know, punting tight end. So that's kind of like the bill. I I felt like it was a successful regular season. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll see how, you know, the fantasy playoffs end up, but, um, obviously like last week not having huge amount of exposure to Kelsey it, you know wasn't ideal not having a huge amount of exposure to Andrews not ideal you know uh so th- those situations come up and that's probably another thing that I might look at um to end the season not something that I'm concentrating on right now but I might look at that and see like okay wh- what were the winning lineups you know who won who won the big you know, the top prizes, uh, in these tournaments and what did their build look like? And taking that into account, might change a little bit of my strategy for like 2022 on, you know, okay, well, you, you just, you never know who's going to get hot in that three week sprint. So maybe I need to mix in, you know, uh, a few of these other players, even though that doesn't kind of fit my lineup build of of how i was doing it
1: that makes sense and um uh, you know if i do you mind if i go through your uh your fade wide receivers from uh this year's fade list yeah yeah because, go for it,
0: okay. go for it. Re- remind it's me
2: no how, how
1: bad i did <laughs> okay so I, I i just pulled it up uh so the the first one we got to give you a mulligan on that was justin jefferson um, but then after that uh, it was Kenny Galladay, Will Fuller, Chase Claypool, Cortland Sutton, and Julio Jones. You gotta feel pretty good about that list.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was it was solid for sure.
1: It was perfect, and that's you know, and that's the thing too. I mean, you know, nobody's ever gonna get a hundred percent you know, on any, you know, on any fade list or, you know, target list or anything like that. You're just, you know, you're not going to hit a hundred percent. None of us are that good. There's too many twists and turns to the fantasy season. But I mean, if you can, if you can bat, uh, you know, over 75%, either way, uh, I, I, I think that says something right there. So, uh, that was, that was a nice job on that fade list. And, uh, you know, if you're, if you're wondering, uh, what you ought to do next year, I mean, um uh, subscribing to to Nelson's service uh, are you going to be with FTN again you think next year
0: yeah yeah nope. definitely be there
1: okay excellent uh definitely well worthwhile uh, you know i i know i've subscribed to it uh I really enjoy the the uh, the discord uh where to you know kind of a good chance to to chat with other high stakes players and you know pick nelson's brain straight up on uh you know different situations that your team might be facing and, and, uh, you know, you, you learn as much from just kind of, you know, listening in, I guess a little bit to, you know, what some of the other players are doing, uh, you know, sometimes just kind of reading through that, you know, help crystallize some things in my head. So, um, it's a, it's a nice perk. So not only do you get Nelson's fade list and his target list, but you also get, uh, you know, kind of a lot of, of uh, one-on, one-on-one, on one um, interaction where you can see how, how, um, you know, he's handling the season as it unfolds. So definitely yeah, and, well worthwhile.
0: And, and not just even, you know, myself, but if you sign up for the whole package, you know, we have at FTN, there's like some really sharp guys, yep. um, you know, like Jeff Ratcliffe right now, I, I believe is number one with his uh, fantasy rankings on the season. So like his, his rankings have been money. And, and that was kind of, as the season was going along, uh, that's what I was telling the guys that, you know, in the discord chat is, Hey guys, instead of, you know, asking me, uh, it, it's not me being lazy or not wanting to a- answer the questions, but go look at Jeff's, you know, rankings and have that be your, you know, your tiebreaker. And then if you feel like, Hey, there's a guy listed at number 16 and a- another guy listed at number 19. And I feel like this is close. Like, do you have a tiebreaker Nelson? You know th- that's one thing but uh definitely you know taking advantage of that because i mean if if he's been number one all year you know why, why not you know utilize his rankings and you know just all, all the content that that's on there. there there's so much information you know as far as like utilization and and different things that you you pick up on because these guys you know are, are doing their homework and digging deep so you've got so much information at your at your fingertips that it's it's definitely worthwhile.
2: Yeah, I'll, I'll co-sign that. I also subscribe, and and FDN we highly recommend to you know any Go District listeners. It'll help you win pretty much any any league. Um, and they also have good stuff for for baseball with um you know baseball upcoming you know hopefully we have a baseball season, but um it's a baseball upcoming as well. So we highly highly recommend an FDN uh, subscription.
1: Yep, absolutely. A lot, of, a lot of good contributors there, um, so very worthwhile. Um, any, any changes you think uh, to your league mixtures next year, Nelson? Like, uh, are you going to go heavier on any contests or do more mes- best ball or less best ball or anything like that? Uh, what are your
0: thoughts as you're heading into 2022? I, um, I haven't given it uh, too much thought yet, but I, I'd probably say that I liked what I did this year. Um, you know, I'm I'm a little, you know, I'm a little tired from, you know, the fab and, and the waiver wire uh, process because uh, it's pretty extensive. And when you've got, you know, over 150 teams, um, it, it turns into a full-time job uh, every week, especially, you know, I... I never take, you know, a week off. It's, it's, a uh, even though there, there's some weeks, you know, I've got a family, I've got two boys, you know, um, they're involved in sports. So, you know, you got life, you know, where you, you gotta, you know, manage that and, and find and, and make sure that you're putting in the time, you know, with, with your family, but it's like, so there's, there's been probably a couple of weeks where it's like, oh man, I'd like to just you know, take a break and kind of, you know, coast or, or kind of cheat this week. But, you know, then the, like the anxiety kicks in where it's like, no, no, I can't, I can't do that. Like I'm missing out on something. Like I can't do that. You know, I got to make my teams better. I got to get rid of like, I've got, you know, two trash guys at the end of my bench that don't even belong on my roster. I got to get rid of them. I got to put the, you know, I got to build the bid, uh, the bid group, you know, long enough so that I make sure I get rid of them. Um, Cause th- there's, there's been weeks throughout the season where I, I, there's like nothing really to pick up and I'm just spending money for the sake of spending money basically on a player. So, you know, I, I just go like five bucks across the board because I'm not, I'm just not feeling it with anyone, but I want to build it deep enough because I'm like, I know this player is going to go for over a hundred bucks and I want no part of that. Uh, so I know I'm not getting him, but I might as well put him in for five bucks, keep everybody honest in the league, and then you know you gotta build it long enough or you know come wednesday night you're you're looking you're like shit, I didn't get rid of this guy, and he's out for the season or whatever so um i'd probably i probably say that right now like i I like the amount of teams that I did, maybe some more uh isolated high stakes leagues um I, I, I might be interested in, in doing and maybe cut back, you know, on a, on a couple of main events or online championships or something like that. Um, you know, just, I haven't really, you know, that's just kind of off the top of my head. I haven't really given it much thought. Okay.
1: Yeah. I think that makes sense. And um, it, you know, one of the, one of the things that's nice about those uh, standalone leagues is it, you kind of play them a little bit differently. Right. You know, cause you don't have to uh, you know, the, the contest leagues were, we're always looking for the home run hit, but uh, and then also, I just wanted to jump back on the um, you know, when you were talking about the waiver wire and not taking a week off uh, you know, and I think that's, that's really critical because, you know, it, you can look at a, a particular week and say, well, there's nobody good or, uh, you know, the players, everybody else is interested in, I'm not really that interested in. And it's real easy to say, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, take the week off. Uh, but that's kind of how you miss out on uh, some of the guys like, uh, you know, a a Foreman or, you know, players like that, that you can get for a dollar and, you know, picking up those players for a dollar is, you know, to me, a lot more, you know, the players I can pick up for a dollar, end up mattering a lot more than sometimes the players I can pick up for $500 or $600. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, like thinking back throughout the season, there was definitely weeks where um, there, there was definitely like, you know, one or two top players that were like the pickups of the week, like a, like a must have. Mm-hmm. Um, but after like those couple of players, it just kind of fell off. So a strategy of mine that I, I was using throughout the season I was actually like picking up, you know, sometimes it was the backup of the backup in the Thursday night game. So depending on what teams were playing on Thursday night, I would pick up the backup running back. Um, Obviously, if he was available and it wasn't like a premium handcuff uh, back um, that was already on rosters, I would pick him up and just kind of get a free look uh, essentially is how I treated it. And if there was no, I'm not sitting there watching the Thursday game rooting for an injury. I'm just doing it because I know injuries are part of the game. So I would make that pickup. And then on Saturday, you know, okay, everything kind of, you know, everyone got away from that game, you know, uh, uninjured. And then I would just drop that player and then, you know, pick up a different player. So I I use that strategy on a lot of my uh, on a lot of my teams where I, I kind of had like that, that one last you know bench spot where I just kind of rotated.
1: Yep, exactly. And I, I think that's the key. Go ahead, Theo.
2: No, I think that, you know, I'll just reiterate what Dan said and just to harp on what Nelson's talking about is we've had some of the best players in the country on the GOAT district since the summer, um, since, you know, the spring, really. Um, and, you know, whether it's Nelson or Chad Schrader um, you know, Chris Picaro, B-Bag Batoba. I mean, the list goes on and on. We've had so many good ones. Um, there isn't a single player on here that, had, that doesn't grind waivers. Dan grinds waivers. So it's, you know, taking a week off is, is almost catastrophic. And you almost want to, you almost want to churn that bottom of, of your roster. You know, you might think of a guy as, um, you know, a guy you want to roster, and you almost might be better off, you know, grabbing that, that next guy um, you know, sometimes we we underestimate the roles that guys take on. um and like like Nelson um, has said, you know, sometimes the perception is there's a few you know really hot guys this week, um whereas you know, maybe the the fifth or sixth best edition might be the guy that really helps you for the rest of the year. I mean, I think back to you know the the Dalton Schultz type pickups, um you know, those kind of guys were, were so cheap. um and you know, if you're just sitting there and and waiting for something bigger to happen, you might miss out on those kind of guys. So, you know, if you've been listening to go district, listen to the guys like Nelson and, you know, you've really, really got to attack your waiver wire. It's a grind, but when it's over, um, I think it's, you really appreciate the kind of the hard work you put in.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, you have to have, you know, when you're, when you're doing your, your big bids, you don't really need much imagination. I mean, everybody sees it, uh, you know, what's the appeal of this guy, but, um, when you're doing the, you know, down in the dollar player, uh, and that's where you kind of need a little, have a little bit more imagination, a little bit more, you know, what if, uh, you know, play out some scenarios in your mind and figure out, you know, if, if things break a certain way, you know, how would that benefit, you know, who would that benefit and are they available? Uh, You know, and, you know, Nelson was talking about, you know, the Thursday night game, that's a perfect situation because you have an opportunity to, you know, grab a player, look at him and then dump him and then grab somebody else, you know, so it's, a, it, it, it's like a, you know, a two for one, basically, uh, you know, you spend two bucks and you, you know, you spend your buck on your Thursday guy. And if he doesn't work out, you spend your buck on your Saturday guy. And if he, you know, if he doesn't work out, you're right back to it the next week. Uh, you know, unless there's some compelling reason to hang on to that player for another week or two. But uh, you, you always want to have the guys in the bottom of your roster if you, you know, I think if you don't have, you know, guys that you feel really confident about putting in your starting lineup, uh, you know, that everybody else has to be uh, kind of fair game to cut and think about uh, who might become that player that, you know, you would feel willing to put in your starting
2: lineup. And guys, what's the uh, what's the worst number to end a waiver wire bid with? I'll pick both your brains on that. Is there ever ever one that nobody should ever throw out there?
0: Um, I mean, I probably take it a like a little too far. Like part of like my my fab like process during the week is I I go back and I look at previous uh, bid history, uh, you know, for each particular league, and then I look at like you know, my league mates, uh, you know, the guys that I'm competing with and I look at their, uh, bids and I try to see if there's like a pattern, um, uh, mm-hmm. with like their, their bidding. Um, and then I try to use that against, uh, you know, it, it sounds kind of, you know, a little crazy, um, uh, probably to some people, like, you know, some of the listeners are probably like, okay, this, this guy's like off his rocker, you know, I, I don't have time for, you know, for this, uh, kind of micromanaging, but, um, you know, you pick up on some tendencies where guys, you know, they're always using like that, that same, you know, bid. Um, But like to answer your question, Theo, like I, I hate ending my bid with like a nine or, or like an eight. Um, So it's like a feeling feel out process, but like, I feel like uh, I think like, it's like a mental block for a lot of people and they talk about this all the time like in the restaurant business like with like consumers and customers like okay you can't put something for like $100 you got to put it as $99 right and there's something there like mentally where people have like that block where it's like well I don't want to buy this for $105 but that's That's how you want to bid. That's how you want to think because a lot of people, what you see like in the bid history, like throughout the leagues, you know, go back and do this exercise when you're bored and have nothing else to do. But you go back and you see a lot of like 88s, a lot of like 77s. Um, Sometimes you see like a, a guy going like 91, you know, but like there's something like blocking them from like, I'm not going over a hundred dollars. like I'm not breaking a hundred for this guy. And like for me, I look at it as like, if I feel like I want to bid in the 70s, 80s for this guy, I'll just go like you know 107, 115 and I'm okay like spending over, you know, going over by 30, you know, bucks on the guy. but I I like I'm almost certain once I've done my bid my bid amounts, and like ten o'clock hits ten Eastern, I'm almost certain like I'm getting like certain players because I I know like from like the league bidding that you know they're going to have trouble mentally going over that hundred dollar threshold.
2: I think that I think that's an awesome answer, and I and I think it's we appreciate that kind of you know strategy, this deep strategy, people. And mm-hmm. Darren Armani, Fantasy Mojo, was a guest of ours and was fantastic. He actually talked about what you talked about where. Um, one of the most common things you see is the the repeat numbers where players, especially if you're playing high volume, you're going to go in and do 22 or 33 or some repeat number over and over again for your bid, just yeah. because it saves time. Um, and I, I think Nelson brings up another point. I don't know the fantasy player who said it, but it made me laugh out loud and I've kind of repeated it over the years. Friends don't let friends end waiver wire bids in a nine. It was just so perfect. <laughs> Um and then I think Darren also talked about how um you'd see you'll see zeros and you'll see fives. So this is all this might be very boring to some people, but it's I, I could talk about this for a long time. It's almost like the it's almost like the game theory um in, in you know in fantasy football where you know you're talking about the actual play on the field and then when we get to waiver wire bidding, it's a whole different beast where you're trying to figure out what number you can put. Um, that you know get to get your player but also not letting somebody get somebody too cheaply I mean it's it's a, it's a great thing um, and I could talk about it for a long time but we don't want we don't want to bore people too much how yeah, about no, you Dan that, what's your I'm sorry go ahead
0: Nelson no that that's that's the thing that's what's part of the grind you know and I'm sure like when you had you know chat on uh, before on this show um, you know I know from partnering up with him uh, years ago like he takes pride you know in you know grinding the waiver wire um because at the end of the day like you come out of your draft you know your your draft can take you only so far and and then as the season you know grinds on you you just you you some of your pickups throughout the year are going to have to make the difference you know between winning and losing and so i i know that like stuff like this for like chad is like you know, is big, you know, so I'm sure he, he talked about that, that it's, it's time well spent, it, it's excruciating pain, um, you know, just mentally and, and physically, like it takes a toll like on you, like, for me, like, like I was explained to like Billy on hit on like his show, uh, when we were talking about it, and it's like, my my process, like if this year, like if I don't start my my bid groups by like Tuesday, early afternoon, I'm not getting to all my teams. It's just, if I do, I just half-assed it, you know, like I, I skipped through a lot of stuff and I, I really didn't like put the time in. So like there, there's a lot of time committed to it. And if you put in the, what I'll say is like for the normal person, not, you know, psychos that are doing, you know, a hundred plus teams, but for like the normal person that maybe does like a half a dozen, a dozen teams uh, which is manageable, it's, it's well worth it to, you know, spend the time and, and put in, you know, that work and look at those tendencies and things like that, because it, you know, it could be the difference, you know, in, in picking up, you know, certain key players throughout the year.
1: Yeah, I I think those are great points, and you know, as somebody who you know doesn't always have time to to really get in there and grind for you know hours at a stretch on the waiver wire, uh, you know the, the the shortcut is basically you have to look at at uh, you know which teams and you know that you really need a pickup on, and which guys you really need to pick up for that team. You know, like what's you know what are what are my most important teams and what are my most important bids and focus on those first. You know, I, I just kind of go through and I, I troll through all my teams quickly, figure out what's my needs, figure out who are the best players available. And, you know, then I'll kind of dive in and research them and then I'll go back and I'll do my, you know, my dollar bids or $5 bids or whatever, you know, adding to the list as Nelson was saying, to make sure that I get somebody um, you know, but that lead bid, that's the one I put the time and effort into. And, you know, and that's where I'll go back and I'll, I, I will look at bid history, too, and see, you know, is there somebody who's, uh, you know, that I think is probably going to be my biggest competition for this player? Do they have some kind of a, a tell, you know, do they always bid eights or nines or, you know, anything like that? Uh, it, and you can pick up a few things like that. And I think uh, also Nelson talking about, you know, going over those mental hurdles, uh, you know, the hundred dollar hurdle or $200 hurdle or whatever it happens to be, uh, you know, that's, that's sound advice too, because you know what, uh, you know, if you get the player that really helps out your team, you're not going to care if you overpaid by 30 or 40 bucks. Uh, you know, it's just not that big a deal, especially when you're talking about a thousand dollar budget uh, you, you you can afford to make a few 30, $40 overpays.
0: Yeah, definitely. Like, you know, part of my process is uh, <clears throat> I, I I listen like to the fantasy radio. I'm I'm on Twitter and I'm just kind of like scouring for information from different you know uh, fantasy players, fantasy sites, um, analysts, and who who are they talking up? So that kind of what that does for me is it kind of tells me like who's going to be the hyped up player. Even like I might not agree on it but it gives me an idea of like the price range of what, mm-hmm. you know, this player is going to go for. And then like listening to like on like Sirius XM radio, you know, and listening to the various shows, you know, in the morning or in the afternoon, who are they talking about? Like, you know, uh, usually like, you know, the Monday after, uh, you know, a Sunday game, let's say th- there was a couple of running backs that got banged up or, uh a handcuff, you know, a backup running back had a, you know, an 80 yard run for a touchdown and now everyone's hyping him up even though, you know, he got limited touches, but it, you know, it was kind of fluky that he got that touchdown. Um, You know, how much is he going to go for? So all that information and then, you know, being on Twitter, like that helps me of like, okay, you know what? Everyone is going to be on this X player And these couple of guys that I'm really interested on are going to fly under the radar. So, you know, that's that's another thing that's kind of like part of my my process is I I, it's kind of like the stock market. It's like stocks like where, you know, you, you get people hyping up, you know, certain stocks. So like they're going to go high and you're like, okay you know, that's fine. Like keep keep buying it. You know, I'm going to go with these under the radar, uh, players.
1: Yeah. I I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, like, you know, there's certain situations where you can just tell that, um, there's going to be a player that's going to, it's going to draw a lot of bids, you know, and everybody's going to be putting their effort into trying to get that player, but there's an under the radar player that you really like. That's, you know, you think maybe even better, you know, like the classic one this year would be Adrian Peterson and uh Dante Foreman. Uh, yeah, yep. That you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to sound like like a, a know-it-all. It, it, it's going to come off that way, but like that was something like, and Dan, you can attest to it from the Discord chat, you know. I, um, and and then looking at you know, kind of like my Fab notebook, um, mm-hmm. I, I listed Adrian Peterson, and I'm like. I'm listing him here and I, th- the price he's going to go for uh, he's not worth it. Cause he's washed up. Um, and I, I, you know, was warning people, you know, that that's not the guy that we should be going after. We should be going after Foreman um, who, you know, at, le- at least he's got a, a little bit of juice and and everything and we'll see how it works out. But you know, that's what happens is like the mindset was like, well, they went out and got him after Henry went down uh, this veteran guy. So obviously they're, you know, they're going to run with them, but sometimes you, you just got to take a step back and, and not really, you can't follow the masses, you know, or kind of like that, you know, that big group think um, Mm -hmm. thought process, you know, with, with things like that, sometimes you got to be kind of outside the box and, and think on your own, and, and try to think logically like you know all right uh, you know Adrian Peterson is gonna go for you know three hundred dollars or something like that uh, I, I can't remember what exactly what he went for that week but um like what once you get him on your team like what are you expecting like what do you what do you think you're gonna get for production you know out of him and then that's where you're like, you know what, that $300 is better saved. And let me spend $25 on foreman and make sure I secure him. And then, you know, let's let's wait a couple of weeks and see what happens.
1: Yep, absolutely. I think super important. And uh, for all, all of you out there listening, uh, you know, if this is your first time listening to the GOAT District, or if you haven't done it yet, make sure you, uh, you hit that like button. Uh, hit the subscribe button. Both of those help us out immensely. So, uh, if you're liking what you're hearing and you haven't done that yet, please go ahead and do that. And, um, you know, just, uh, you know, keep listening week after week, check out our archive too. I mean, we've, got, we've got a fantastic archive of, uh, you know, some of the best high stakes players in the world. And, you know, so you can, you can learn a lot just by, you know, when the season is over, just get by going back and, uh, hitting those ones you missed. Uh, and then, uh, also make sure you're checking out some of our sponsors, Uh, dynasty depot is going to be cranking up in about uh, well less than a month Uh, so if you're a dynasty player make sure you get on the dynasty depot you're going to find teams uh, that you can uh, buy on there you can sell dynasty teams of yours Uh, you know it's just the absolute best marketplace for uh, buying and selling of dynasty teams and then of course be sure you're checking out the ffpc Uh, they have a a great playoff challenge going if you uh, if you don't have an ffpc account for some reason, uh, you know, hit me or Theo up or JD and uh, we'll help set you up with one and uh, see if we can help you out a little bit with a, a little something, something on the top of it. So uh, make sure you're doing those things, please. Um, help uh, help help us get more listeners and uh, more viewers. All right. Uh, how are we doing on time, Nelson? I, I do want to try to get a couple quick hitters, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm,
0: you- I'm free. I'm I'm okay. good.
1: No, yeah, our, our, our waivers are done. So, <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm it's,
2: it, it's after 10 o'clock on a Wednesday. So, it's
0: it's like yeah, relaxation it, mode, right? Yeah, no, this is yeah, this is relaxed mode for sure.
2: Yep, yeah. yeah. And, and since Nelson
1: does so many contest leagues, he barely has any waivers. I'm guessing just a few uh, standalone league, league waivers to, to worry about this week. Huh? Uh,
0: nothing, nothing, nothing ever, huh? No, wow. no, I, I, you know, uh, I I had a couple of home leagues, you know, uh, back in the day, but they, you know, my friends kicked me out of those home leagues and they, they said I was, yeah, that, you know, it's supposed to be fun and, you know, trash talking and everything. And they, they felt like I was no fun. Um, So uh, I got, yeah, I got banned from those uh, even though I'm still friends with all those guys. Um, But yeah, I, it, I've got, it was all high stakes, and that ended a week ago. So,
1: all right, there you go. All right, well, let's go. Let's go back. Uh, I had a couple of reader questions, and uh, we've got a. We'll we'll talk through a couple other uh, situations that I think will be of interest to a lot of people. But uh, one of them are our loyal listener uh, Srikanth is uh, wondering Everett Higby or Conklin, which one for this week? And I think uh, Higby might be taking himself out of the the situation still because we don't know if he's going to be ready to go or not. He just went on the covid list like Sunday or Monday. Yeah. So, he he might not even be available.
0: Um I haven't looked at matchups uh to be honest. Who's Seattle and Minnesota playing?
1: So, Minnesota plays um the the Rams and Seattle Chicago.
0: Yes, that's it. I'd probably go with Conklin. Hmm. I think
2: I'm on Conklin as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's a that's a good lean. Um, you know, he's he's more likely to be a part of the offense. Uh, we have to hope Kirk Cousins can pass for more than 79 yards this week. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> speaking of uh, yeah performances that killed us. Uh, and not directly. It was just all the the Justin Jefferson and uh, all of that that uh, yeah. you know you probably weren't starting cousins in uh in too many leagues, but uh, Justin Jefferson for sure. Uh, okay, and a defense one. Srikanth uh, also asking Casey or Green Bay. Uh, Casey is playing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, yep. yep. And Green Bay Cleveland. is Cleveland.
0: Yeah, they're both good matchups, but I, I, unless Casey, you know, really gets hammered with COVID and, and they're missing, you know, a bunch of players like Cleveland was a week ago, I, I'd probably go with Casey. I, I just think that um, Ben Roethlisberger just does not, does not look good uh, when he's out there throwing the ball. Uh, the offensive line is not that great. Kansas City's defense is playing really well uh, like the last five weeks. So I, I'd probably go with them. My thought process would be that Kansas city is probably going to be playing from ahead. Uh, I'm assuming what, what's the line there. It's probably Kansas city favored by, you know, minus five, minus six.
1: Um, I'm not sure.
0: <clears throat>
1: but well, Take we'll it. have to, we'll check that. Uh, and, and Srikanth also wants to say uh, Nelson. He drafted uh, Kylin Hill and uh, Amon Ross St. Brown because he were tipped before the season. Uh, you know, and Kylin Hill didn't work out, but uh, it you know it it might have if he hadn't gotten injured himself. But Amon Ross St. Brown, yeah, he that was that was one. If you if you managed to hold on to him long enough, he was definitely well worth it uh, coming down the stretch here.
0: Yeah, you, you know, Kylan Hill, unfortunately, was never, it didn't look like he was going to get an opportunity anyway, um, even though, you know, Aaron Jones got banged up there for a couple of weeks. You know, Dylan was always going to be part of the plan, um, so that that didn't work out. But yeah, Monroe St. Brown was definitely a guy that I was uh, high on in the preseason, and um, that happens. That That's that's no fault of anybody you know monra st. brown with the lions all year long was unplayable you know uh they were just you know they were rotating all those wide receivers it was mad you know you couldn't play any of them any any of those guys every week it was like it was like Khalif raymond then it was you know um i'm, tr- I'm trying to think of like some of the the guys that they had on that on that roster uh, but it it just felt like it it was like every week there was like somebody new that was, you know, putting up a decent game. And then you had like Josh Reynolds and now Amon Ross St. Brown is, is coming on. So that happens. Like, you know, you drop guys because they're just not getting the opportunity.
1: Yeah. And that, it, and, and on that note, I mean, that's a nice tip too for anybody who's uh, you know, looking at waivers, if you've got a, um, you know, a tight end that's important to the team and is uh, heavily involved in the offense. Uh, and that tight end goes out. Just do yourself a favor, go out, and find the slot receiver for that team, see if they're available and just pick them up. Uh, because usually the, you know, the tight ends are kind of tend to work the same area of the field as the slot receivers do. Uh, you know, they work them different ways, but, you know, it's it's still kind of that uh, underneath stuff. And, uh, you know, it Intermediate range targets, things like that, you know, and we saw it with uh, with Hunter Renfro uh, coming on all of a sudden when Darren Waller goes out, Uh, you know, we see it. We saw it again with Hawkinson and uh, St. Brown. Uh, So, you know, there's there's some good situations there. Just keep your eyes open for those. Uh, And then I got to got to ask Joey's question uh, of Theo. Theo is an advantage working the way the wire when you're doing the waiver wire article.
2: So I'll say that yes, in a, in a way, because I have to I have to kind of look at the the entire uh, picture and maybe get into it. I think last year my my article I was writing last year I'd have to go a little bit deeper, where it was maybe more like what what Nelson's writing about. So my article will have some guys that you know are are you know good and, and available for us in the high stakes leagues, where some of the guys I might be writing up are for maybe sixteen team leaguers where. You know, Nelson's writing an article where, you know, a, a lot of these guys are in the, you know, established the run or player profiler, you know, wrote a world. The, those the, some of those guys that are getting written about, you know, Nelson might not have to, um, you know, write a, uh, even even think about it all because he's writing for a high stakes crowd. So for me, I'd say yes, um, because it's all about as much preparation um, and then the only negative is um, it could be time I was doing for my own, my own bad bids. So it's kind of like Monday is Monday's a big grind. Cause I'm writing an article. Um, I try to get it done during Monday night football. So I don't miss anybody. Um, and then I'm pretty much doing waivers, um, you know, all Monday and Tuesday. So it's a, it has a, its advantages and its disadvantages. How about you, Nelson is, uh, do you think it helps your process writing it out or does it kind of detract maybe a little bit from, um, you know, your, your grind while, when you're putting in your bids?
0: I, I think from a, like a timing standpoint, it, it takes away from, you know, actually like working on the teams and, and putting in the big groups, but it, it is to me, I found, you know, the last couple of years, like it, it's definitely important part piece of the puzzle um, in being able to, just put it all together and then I'm putting my thoughts on paper and, and putting it on the site so that, you know, subscribers, they have, you know, rather than just listing, you know, these set of players with, you know, a, a bit of amount percentage and that's it. I, I kind of give my thoughts on those players so that guys kind of have, they have a feel for like going inside my head and what I'm I'm thinking about these players. Um, so I think putting that, the, those thoughts on paper helps me, it kind of keeps me in check. Um, I, would probably say, uh, because like, it, it keeps me from I'm trying to figure out the right wording, but like it, it allows me to like process it, it, it takes a Time and it, but it allows me to kind of process things a, a little bit. Whereas if I wasn't doing content and I was just, you know, that was it. I was a high stakes player, managing my own teams, and that's it. Um, you know, I would be, you know, I would get right to it and and just start going through and and putting, you know, bid groups together. But I think that feel out process and that thought process and putting it on paper, I think, helps.
1: Yeah. I think that makes sense. Uh we've had a we've had a couple questions on a, AJ Brown. Uh I know you, you briefly talked about him earlier in the show but uh what what's your confidence level in AJB if he plays?
0: <clears throat> yeah. Um I've like I've gone through my teams. Like I have like 10 teams that made it with that has AJ Brown on it. So, uh just going through them, um unfortunately like I, I feel bad but I I can't I can't answer that this minute um because I need I need to for tomorrow uh, to come make sure he's active and then that's kind of when I'm I'm gonna be able to like say okay what what do I want to do here uh with AJ Brown because the reason why those teams made the playoffs without AJ Brown is because I obviously have like, Cordarell Patterson, uh, for example, that's kind of like taking his spot and in, in his production in the lineup. Um, I might have like Amon Ross St. Brown, um, so I might have like some pretty good options. And then it becomes, oh, you know, okay, what what am, what am I gonna do here? Like Jalen Waddle might might be a guy that was like a core guy that. AJ Brown was a bust for me, but Waddle ha- has kind of taken on that production. So that's kind of like the decision I have to make. Uh, just you know, running through those teams, I know those are the lineup calls, and I m- like mentally, like I haven't, I haven't really like process process it in in my mind just yet. So I, I'm, I know it's a little bit of a cop out, but like you know, just trying to be fair, like I, I haven't really. I haven't given it uh, as enough thought yet.
2: I uh, think that was a great, great question by uh, by Evan. Sorry to interrupt you, Dan, because we have that on the show sheet as well. Go ahead, Dan.
1: Yeah, no, I was just going to say I I find it refreshing when uh, you know when people say you know what I don't know yet I haven't thought about it enough um, you know it it'd be nice if uh, a lot of Twitter was that way but uh,
0: you know <laughs> yeah I try I you know I try not to give a half ass answer if if I know like in, in my mind like okay I haven't gone I haven't gone through the exercise yet to do it like why am I going to give them some half ass answer that I'm not even sure and then I go through my teams and then you know I tell them yeah play AJ Brown and then I go through my teams tomorrow and I'm like oh no I'm not playing AJ Brown anywhere
1: yeah and, and, and this is another hidden advantage of uh subscribing to the FTN and uh, getting on that discord because you know as you're just kind of Following through the Discord, one of the things that you can really tell is, you know, like, Nelson, when you're confident in a player, it's very obvious because, you know, it it just shows through, you know, because you'll, you know, you'll answer multiple questions, you know, or they're involving that player in some way or another. And, uh, you know, it's just real easy to see when you have a lot of confidence in that particular player. And then, you know, with some of the other players where it's, you know, a little bit more nuanced, uh, you might get asked, you know, player X or player Z player X or player B player X or player D player X or player F, you know? And so you get to see kind of where, you know, how are, how are you, you know, where are you slotting that player, you know, versus several other players, you know, better than these three, not as good as those two, you know, whatever the case might be, Uh, you know, but, you know, when you're, when you're trying to figure out how to make better lineup decisions, which, uh, you know, I think honestly, we all struggle with from time to time, uh, you know, just having somebody that you can bounce things off of, or just kind of see, you know, what the thought process is uh, a little bit more in detail definitely helps out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You bring up a good point, Dan, like it, it for me, like when I'm making like those lineup decisions, I'm going off of, you know, at that point, And, and that's why I say like, you know, hit me up over the weekend, you know, don't hit me on a Tuesday or Wednesday because, like, my brain is, like, in fab mode, you know, it, it and it it's like a light switch. Like, it's fab mode until, like, 10 o'clock, you know, on Wednesday night, and then I start my process of, okay, what, what are the lineup calls here? And then as I'm going through my teams and, let's say, I'm inserting, like, the kicker I just picked up on Wednesday night and you know, looking at what whatever players I acquired and I'm setting my lineup, I start now getting a feel for, okay, let's look up matchups. This wide receiver is going up against, you know, the Chargers defense. Uh they've been stingy, you know, but you know, X receivers going up against, you know, uh tra- you know uh, Vikings uh pass defense, for example, you know. I think they're like last in the league, you know, for for wide receivers. Mm-hmm. So, like that would be like an example where I'm like, all right, I'm I'm starting to feel this guy, and and then I, you know, I I start getting a better feel for it, and that's why I tell guys like, you're you're asking me on a on like a Wednesday, like you gotta ask me, you gotta wait till like Saturday night, and and then that's when I can like really kind of pinpoint uh, things, and then even. Sometimes Dan, like there's certain guys, like it, it's a call between three players. And I'm like, I don't have a strong conviction on any particular player. Like I could see any, all three, I could see one outdoing the other um, very easily. And, and it's kind of like, you know, a pick them, you know, basically at that point, but definitely there's times where you'll know, like if, if I've got a strong conviction, on on a player that I want to play, you know, and even though I've got like high exposure to him on all my teams, you know, he he'll go in the lineup, you know, across the board, you know, uh, like a, an example was like during the season would probably be like Dearness Johnson, uh, for example, was like a guy that kind of picked him up. Um, it was kind of like a pickup when Hunt went down and I want to say it was like Saturday, um, I decided to pick him up on a, on a bunch of teams, even though Chubb was healthy and obviously he was going to get you know most of the workload and everything, but he he was a guy that like, it ended up working out and then it was kind of like the question of, okay, do you trust Dearness Johnson? Like who the hell is Dearness Johnson? Because now Chubb is out and Hunt's out, but like felt really confident you know, uh, that that he was the right play. I'm trying to remember the defense that they were going against. Um, I, I want to say it was the Broncos. Was it the Broncos they were playing on a Thursday night game? It Like, I, I vaguely remember it uh, just because, you know. It, yeah, it's, it was
1: a Thursday night. I remember that. I can't remember yeah, who the defense was.
0: It was a Thursday night, and I want to say, like, the Broncos at that time on defense, they were dealing with, like, I don't know if they were dealing with some type of injury, but like they just – they were putting in like half-ass effort uh, at the time. And and I just remember like – I'm like, you know what? He's like – he's going in all my lineups. Like I've got him on like 70-plus teams. It was like – that's when it like gets scary, right? When you've got like 150 teams and you've got this one guy that becomes like – in your mind becomes an auto start. So you've got him in like 50% of your lineups – and you're like, oh, shit, like a lot could go wrong here. Mm-hmm.
2: It was yeah. different. And uh, just to give you the stat line, that game, just so we can all remember, a game that helped us all out, was uh, 146 rushing and a touchdown. And he caught two passes for 22 yards. It was just like a, a magical start to the week. A fantastic yeah. game for Dearness. Yeah. The Dearness-Johnson game. We'll we'll call it, you know, historically, that is now the Dearness-Johnson D. game. Right. And
1: that's that's one of those things too, where you know if you can, if you can find that backup running back who's got that you know that the clear path to the touches, you know, and you're looking on the 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 team and you're going and who else even really is there, you know, uh, you know, Demetrius Felton, you know, what is he gonna do, uh, you know, and I know some people picked him up and they're thinking, well, he'll be their their pass catcher, well, uh, you know, but. Cleveland ended up being kind of in control of that game, so they didn't really need a pass catcher. I mean, you know, obviously we can come up with scenarios where it might have gone a different way, but, you know, like you say, you know, you, you, you felt strongly that uh, Cleveland was probably going to control that game, and, and uh, so it was going to be a great game for Darius Johnson.
0: But it, it does, you know, that, call, that kind of call gets a little uneasy because, like, mm-hmm. I'm making that call across, you know, 70 teams. You know, that's, that's a lot of, you know, equity. Uh, going into that one player and because I felt so confident, you know, I'm on, you know, the FTN discord chat and guys are asking, Hey, Nelson, you know, we all have Dearness Johnson, you know, because you told us to pick him up. Uh, are we starting him or, you know, this wide receiver, him and this player? And I'm like, uh, you know, okay, this is kind of, this is getting a little scary. Cause I'm, I'm going to tell these guys, Dearness Johnson, and that, that's what we did. You know, we went with Dearness Johnson on Thursday night. And I'm like, this could like really backfire.
1: Yeah. yep, definitely. One of, one of our good friends, uh, Austin Martin, uh, you know, he, he has a good way of putting it. He says, I, got, I have a Kia riding on this, you know, uh, as in like a small car. <laughs> Yeah. Yep. (laughs) You know, for sure, and and that's exactly what it is. I mean, you know, you can you can call it a Kia or you can call it a boat or whatever, whatever it might be. But you know, when it's a significant portion of uh, of your portfolio, uh, you know, whether your portfolio is a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks or twenty thousand bucks, whatever, it it doesn't matter. Um, A significant portion is a a significant portion, and
2: uh, you, you definitely feel uneasy about putting a lot
1: on that.
0: Yeah.
2: So we talked about um, one, um, AB, um, AJ Brown. Let's talk about another one. What's your expectations for Antonio Brown? Um, you know, provided he comes back this week and next, is, is he is he a league winner?
0: So um, here here's a guy that I'm I'm probably going to have a little more conviction on uh, than AJ Brown, um, and that's just because of the the offense and the situation. So. Um I I own a lot of Antonio Brown uh because of my Tampa stacks and I'm I'm minus Godwin and most likely Evans uh this week and from what I heard on the practice report uh from Bruce Arians um he was limited but uh basically Arians said that he looked like AB before the injury uh like he's back to normal and so I'm looking at it as AB is going in all my lineups. Um, and, and again, like, it's just a different situation where I'm looking at it. Tampa just lost two monster, you know, targets, uh, hogs in, in Godwin and Evans. And you got to figure those targets now. Like I was joking around uh, with like Austin and, and Dave Hubbard, I was joking around with them and saying like how a B I would probably put the over under of like 15 targets, uh, you know, this upcoming week, you know, cause I mean, it, it's, it's him and Gronk. Uh, so, um, and then losing Fournette, you know, Ronald Jones, I, I think Jones is going to like, is going to be just fine. I, I think when he's had an opportunity, he looks explosive, uh, in those limited opportunities. So I think he'll be fine. But like, I definitely think, you know, Brady does not trust Ronald Jones in the passing game. Um, you know, he's got stone hands. So, you know, Lenny was getting, uh, you know, a hu- huge amount of volume uh, in on those checkdowns. So I, I think what's going to happen the next two weeks is that Brady is going to be, it, it's going to be like, you know, short passing game. And I just think that like, A.B. is going to get peppered with, with targets. So league winner, um, you know, I, it's kind of like, you know, a little bit of like the get on the hype train. Uh, but like I'm probably going – I'm going with you, Theo, on on that, that I, I feel like it's definitely a potential league winner just because of the, the missing players on offense and then what he's coming into. And he was already, you know – Uh, a favorite target of Brady's. So I don't think it's like, this is not like a Tyler Johnson or Brashard Perryman type of situation where it's like, Oh, okay. These are the next guys in line, you know, AB coming in, like he's, he's going to be a target monster.
2: Yeah. You also have to, you also have to like the schedule and the fact that the bucks are coming off. I know these things are, you know, it's, it's a little more feel, but the fact that the bucks struggled so mightily, against their rival, and now they have a chance to get right against Carolina and the Jets. And you get A.B. coming back into the fold. It's almost like a perfect storm situation for, for Antonio Brown. I'm actually really excited to see, um, you know, how, how he finishes. Um, what's your expectations, Dan, in that situation?
1: I mean, it's rare you see Tom Brady have two bad games in a row. So, uh, you know, that, that says a lot right there. And Antonio Brown was really kind of – in a way running ahead of Godwin uh, when everybody was healthy, uh, you know, so that, that also says something. So, you know, I think if, uh, you know, as long as Antonio Brown is healthy, uh, you know, I've got him several places too. Uh, Cause I had a bunch of, of Tampa stacks and uh, I'm going to play him. Uh, you know, <laughs> unfortunately, most of the teams I had Tampa stacks on are, uh, you know, looking a long way up at the standings. Uh, at the other teams, but the only way he can get back in is to try to, to play those players that you think have the opportunity to to have just smash weeks. So yeah, he's going to be in there for me.
0: And and I want to, you know, just throw this disclaimer out there that obviously I, I need Antonio Brown on, on my teams, (laughs) but this is not kind of like, you know, the, the fan cheerleader on the sideline, you know, like, you know, let's go AB, you know, I, I, I truly, you know, unbiased opinion, I I believe that A.B. makes a ton of sense. Like he should be considered like almost like a lock in your lineup just because of like the those factors that we just talked about. Right.
2: There's no there's so, no SEC. There's no SEC for fantasy football or anything like that. You're allowed to you're allowed to pump the shit out of your own guys. Yeah. No rules on that one yeah i mean
1: but he's also a guy like if you were playing dfs he'd seriously consider in a in a cash lineup you know for the yeah. exact same reasons and that's you know to me that's like you know what i I don't do a lot of dfs but i do try to switch into dfs brain every once in a while when i'm setting my lineups and you know to when i'm trying to determine you know do i really like this guy or do i like this guy just because i need to like this guy uh you know putting it into a dfs form format and you know saying oh what you know would I really be feel comfortable putting this guy into my lineup uh, you know if I didn't have to and that that kind of helps clarify it a little at least a little bit for me
2: so I wanted to quickly we we're, we're we're gone over an hour and a half now I want to quickly pick your brain on a couple of twenty twenty two questions um mark andrews right now is, is the tight end one in terms of overall scoring and in, in terms of points per game is he our tight end one next season heading into
0: 2022 um no uh pro- probably not 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 for me because i mean he he's he's had a great stretch here um and and he's having a great year but i mean uh, you know if like Kelsey, for example, I I know he had obviously that monster game and a lot of, you know, pro Kelsey, um, you know, people out there were, were very happy to see that, but there, there was definitely a lot of bad games too, uh, from Kelsey, uh, before that blow up. And, and I think like, I don't know, like, you know, sometimes like age starts catching up to you. And I know he's premium of the premium, you know, when it comes to his position at tight end, but, you know, a lot of people would be surprised. Like he's, I want to say he's 32 going on 33 by, by next year. So he's not a spring chicken. Um, so I wouldn't even put him uh, number one. I would probably say that it's between uh, Kittle and, and Waller uh, are would probably be my two tight ends that I would probably rank, you know, up there.
2: How about you, Dan?
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Um, I'm, I'm high on Andrews, but you now if if uh, Tyler Huntley is going to be his quarterback next year, then uh, I'm all in on, on Mark Andrews
0: for sure. And <laughs> and if you know, and and if Dobbins and Edwards are out for the year again, right. Uh, and they go from a run-heavy team to a pass-heavy team, then I'm all in on Andrews. But I have a funny feeling that that dynamic is going to switch next year. Yeah, 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 exactly.
2: Yeah, for me, I, I, it's interesting. It's it's hard for me to kind of rank the tight ends at this point. I do think that there's a chance, like Nelson talked about, where um, it, the fact that we had you know Travis Kelsey getting a little older and then we've had George Kittle now miss time, back-to-back seasons, you might not see – um a tight end go at that, that one two turn, there might you might get a little more um value on the position as a whole. So no, I don't I don't see Mark Andrews being my tight end one overall. Um and I don't think he'll be the tight end one overall um in terms of ADP either. Um but I think he'll be, you know, right up towards the top and he's definitely um he's definitely had a great, had a great season. Um is there any well, we'll have to, oh, so, sorry. sorry go ahead.
0: No, sorry Theo. Like uh, just uh, I was thinking it depends on what type of hype uh, going into the next draft season, what happens, and everything. But I, I've got like this funny feeling that I'm probably going to be owning like a lot of Kyle Pitts next year,
2: <laughs> right? Oh, I love I, yeah. I love that one, and that's a great segue. Um, for our Dynasty listeners, what rookies do you expect to take a big step forward in year two? You've already said Kyle Pitts. Uh maybe elaborate yeah. on him, and if there's anybody else you see. Maybe taking that that next big step. It might have been a guy who's flashed, or maybe a guy that you're that you just were a little disappointed in this year. That you think is 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 ready to to take a big leap next year.
0: Kyle Pitts, there you go. Like Kyle Pitts would be one of them. Where I I want to say like he's actually had a pretty good year as a rookie uh, when you look at his stats. But I think for the most part, the people that drafted Kyle Pitts are probably disappointed in him. And I don't have. I don't have much Kyle Pitts. Like I drafted him like you know a couple of times where he fell and I thought it was uh, you know a decent price to just get a little bit of exposure but he was he was on my fade list uh this year and I just felt like even though th- the guy's a freak and don't consider him some people don't consider him a tight end they look at him as a wide receiver I still thought that um the position he was going to play and what was going to, you know, happen, you know, his head was going to be spinning a little bit. Um, and, and you know, he wasn't going to have like that monster rookie season. So I was definitely, you know, off of Kyle Pitts, but he's definitely a guy that next year I have a feeling that I'm probably going to have exposure to him. Because if people, especially now to end the year, like he's not like he hasn't really done anything right the the last few weeks. Uh, so far. So if that continues, I think people are just going to be so down on him that he actually might be a value and he might be like, that might be my target, like at tight end, depending where he goes in, in drafts. So he's a guy that I'm high on, uh, you know, for next year. And then, um, trying to think other rookies, uh, Jalen Waddle. Uh, I'm actually high on. He's had a really good rookie year, but I actually think that he could be better. Um, so I think of him as kind of like a Justin Jefferson uh, type where he he could just... Uh, this year, Miami's utilized him um, a lot around the line of scrimmage, and they haven't really taken any deep shots with him. And people forget, like, coming out of the draft, he's one of the fastest players in in you know last year's draft so um they just and they never really utilized them so if they open up that part of the playbook w- you know with him you you could see a lot more of explosive plays and and more touchdowns next year so he you know he would be another guy that i would be high on
2: yeah that i think that's a, a great call on on joan Waddell, and i think when the season ends and people take a step back and look at the, you know, the counting stats with him um, and, and his role on the team. Um, he's the kind of guy that's going to rise, rise up, up and up draft boards all summer long. Um, it'll be very interesting to see where he settles in ADP wise in, in a format like the, um, like the NFFC, he might be going a lot higher than a lot of people would think of it at this time. Um, Dan, do you want to elaborate on, on what Nelson said? Or is there any rookies you're really looking at? Um, that you expect to take a big step forward or guys you're really going to be targeting. Um, take that any way you want. Okay. Yeah, a couple guys I'm
1: definitely going to be uh, looking at with interest as far as like where their ADP ends up and, uh, you know, potential great values. Michael Carter with the with the Jets and uh, Elijah Moore. Uh, mm-hmm. Both of them have exhibited some signs that look very promising. Uh, you know, the, the one that's maybe likely to overheat, um, you know, that I might be off of just because of price is Javante Williams. Um, you know, everybody's on Javante Williams right now in the dynasty world. And uh, if you, if you have him, you can trade him for a lot. Uh, we'll just put it that way. And, uh, you know, but I, I, I agree with Nelson on Jalen Waddell too. I think that's a, you know, that, that that's a player that's just dripping with potential. Uh, and I'm glad I have him in several places. I am going to be holding him tight for sure.
0: Yeah, I, I like that call, Dan, on on uh, Elijah Moore. Uh, he, he was definitely a guy that I was interested in in the preseason. And mm-hmm. uh, and it, it took he, – he suffered, you know, an injury in the preseason. So he was kind of – you know, he, he got off to a, a rough start. And then once he was healthy and they came off their bye week, it was kind of like they still weren't using him. Like he wasn't getting full snaps. So it was kind of frustrating – Um, I remember dropping him a little bit, uh, on a, on a few teams and then I picked him back up. Um, once I, I was like, okay, you can tell, like they started using him. Corey Davis, uh, you know, was injured at that point. So it, it took some, you know, it was kind of like rough start to the season because he was injured himself, but then it took like a Corey Davis injury for him to kind of take off and show like. Hey, you know this kid's a playmaker. So I think like next year, like he should be, you know, locked in and and should have a, you know, a, a good year.
2: Yeah, Elijah Moore was going to be who I was going to say. Um, you know, we're big fans of his on on the Go District. Um, and I do think that the the I'll, I'll see myself drafting a lot of Elijah Moore next year. Um, I'm not quite sure where his ADP will settle, but I do think you'll get a discount on the fact that people still don't like having jets on their team, especially after this, uh, especially after this season. And also if it's Zach Wilson, um, I think that, you know, people are going to be very fearful of, of, of Wilson and having his number one wide receiver. So you'll get an, an elite talent who's 21 years old at a discount with more. Um, and I think that with Wilson, I'm not a huge fan of his, but we all remember, um, you know, Jared Goff's second year, how much he improved from his, his rookie year. So we have seen it before in the past. So I think you just got kind of to bet on the talent. Um, I'm also interested to see, um, you know, Rondale Moore, how that wide receiver room shakes up in Arizona. He's a re- kind of a funny player where, um, you know, he's got the draft capital. He's flashed at times. The usage has been, you know, not really there. But I think he's a dynamic talent and he might be, you know, a guy I'm looking at. You know, next summer, trying to see where he settles in at um, and flipping over to you guys brought up Javante Williams. That's a that's a great call. Um, you guys can take this question, either your top five heading into next season. We'll use NFFC score, um, NFFC scoring, um, NFFC rosters, um, or you can do it as your predicted top five uh, in terms of what ADP will be. Um, we oh, can start with either Pio, one. You can pick that one up.
0: Theo, Wait a minute. So <laughs> did you just mention Javante Williams, and then in the next sentence you mentioned top five?
2: Are you you this? You, you, you have some analysts right now. You have some analysts right now not to be named in other podcasts who are talking about Javante Williams as high as number two overall in redraft. He is shooting up like you wouldn't believe. Uh, I think I, by I, the I, end of the summer, I think he's going to be – But in the summer, I'll predict ADP wise, he'll be in the top 10.
0: Yeah. I mean, he might, he might be a fade for me
2: Yeah. at at that point. Yeah. I
0: mean, that's right. I was was going to say that that
1: sounds like a fade candidate right there.
0: Yeah. Um, You know, I think, I think he's talented. So I'll start by, you know, saying that, but I mean, I don't know. I I, You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of factors, you know, is Melvin Gordon gone when we're, we're saying that Javante Williams, what, what are the factors in the, the variables? Like, are we saying that Javante Williams is a top two pick and, but Melvin Gordon has to be off the Denver roster?
2: I would assume that's, that's the argument being made. Um, and I agree with you. I mean, if you are telling me that I, that I have to spend a top five pick to get, Javante Williams, I, I'm going to be out on that price. I do think at the one-two turn around there, it gets a little more interesting because he's flashed as a receiver. Um, basically the argument um, that I heard was, you know, this is a, a double digit. He's giving you, you know, 10 points receiving potentially every week. Um, you know, he'll be utilized as a receiver a lot in year two, take a big step forward there. We've all seen, seen him as a rusher. Um yeah, I, I, I'm. This is this is not not the Theo Gravender rankings, but I do think that this yeah. train is coming, where there's going to be a lot of players who really want to draft Javante, you know, as high as you know two, three, you know, four, five in, in redraft, and it'll be yeah. interesting to see yeah. these early drafts. So I guess you guys are both out on that price.
0: Yeah, he, I mean, he could be a hype guy, uh, you know, for sure, and and make it that far, but you know, I, I'm thinking of players. You know, in my top five, you know, I don't know. I there's there's definitely a couple of running backs that I that I like, and then there's definitely a bunch of wide receivers. Um, where if if I felt like I wasn't comfortable with the running backs there, I could easily take Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, uh, Tyreek Hill. Um, we we could. We could put Justin Jefferson into the conversation. Um, there's there's quite a few players uh, like Javante Williams wouldn't definitely wouldn't be in my top five. You know, I'm, running backs for example, like you got Taylor. Um, I I don't care about the whole like injury thing. Like McCaffrey would would still be in my top five, um, even with like the injuries the last couple of years. Um uh Eckler, um Najee Harris. Uh so th- there's I don't know. There there's a bunch of players that could be in the in the conversation that you could you could easily make a top ten and you know and, and maybe not not include Javante Williams. So I don't know. Yeah. I I mean I, I haven't I I might be out of the loop, you know, uh, <clears throat> on that. I have I haven't heard you know that that hype yet on uh, on Williams, so uh, that it's kind of catching me by surprise.
1: <laughs> yeah, in the dynasty circles, it's uh, it, it he is definitely the talk of the town, uh, and you know it's kind of leaking into redraft a little bit too. But yeah, I, I I think you made a good point, Nelson. I mean, to me, it'd almost be easier to come up with a top ten than a top five uh, you know, cause I, Jonathan Taylor, obviously for me is the one-on-one and, uh, then all of a sudden, you know, you're talking about several wide receivers, uh, you know, a few running backs and exactly how those guys shake out is, it, it's a little bit tough to say right now, you know, McCaffrey probably in there, uh, Delvin Cook probably in there for me, uh, a, a healthy Derek Henry is probably going to be in there, um. Uh, you know that you don't have a huge ceiling. I think with Henry, but uh, the floor is unbelievably high. And sometimes with that that first round pick, you're just looking to not screw yourself. Yeah. Uh, so.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with you guys um, with most of those names. I think it, what one thing all will be interesting for me is, you know, the the cup versus Tyreek Hill versus Devontae Adams versus Justin Jefferson. Um, and mm-hmm. kind of where they settle in, especially in the NFFC, ADP. Um, does the market kind of overcorrect itself for Cup? Um, where, you know, are we taking Cooper Cup to overall? I mean, that seems a little, a little high um, just, you know, for me, especially even coming off of such a, a historical year. Um, but I, I think if I had to pick a, you know, I think the number one is pretty easy. I think we could all kind of agree – Jonathan Taylor is going to be the consensus um, number one pick next year in most formats. I think that, like you guys said, it's easier to do a top 10 because it's hard for me to pick two overall. Two overall for me might be Eckler right now um, if I'm drafting tomorrow. Um, and that seems a little crazy to take, you know, a guy that we were getting you know a little bit towards the second half of the first round coming off as, you know, a great season. But to take him two overall, I, it's it's a lot of a lot of. Ah, thinking and I think that you know this time of year when we start pivoting over to best ball and dynasty it's really great mental exercise but um it's difficult it's very difficult at this point
0: yeah I I think with the the cup uh Cooper cup debate is kind of like I look at it as like when Adams broke out it was obvious that he was the go-to guy for Rogers and and his favorite wide receiver um and I, I think what you're seeing is, you know, people joke about the whole, bre- you know, going out to breakfast together, you know, Stafford and Cup, you know, and it, so like that was something back in the preseason. So it was like, you know, they hit it off and they always had that rapport and they're scheming him, you know, you know open very mm-hmm. similar to what, you know, Green Bay does with Adams and like he's just the go to guy, you know. Uh, Cup, I want to say, is like up there as like one of the most uh, double teamed uh, wide receivers. And he, you know, he still gets it done, you know, so it very similar to Adam. So, like, I look at it as like I don't think it's like a flash in the pan. I I look at it as like, you know, I think now with Stafford there in L.A., like Cup is here to stay, you know, Um, I, I don't. So I I think like he's like a super, super safe, you know, high upside pick. You know, if you take him in round one, I I look at it as like very similar to like Devontae Adams situation. Yep.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. I I feel real good about Cup, Uh, you know, and he's not the type of player who's, you know, whose game is going to deteriorate very quickly. Uh you know, he's he's one of those that is more likely to hang around um Antonio Brown style than uh to fade away Julio Jones style.
0: Very similar skill set to Adams, like not a burner, but yep. like excellent route runner. And Adams actually his knock was like his hands at the beginning of his career, but like he's you know, he's cleaned that up. Like he, he's got he's got really good hands and Cup has really good hands, so like you factor in all those things, you know, excellent route runner, got a coach that knows how to use them, you know, versus like a Pete Carroll who has no idea how to use like DK Metcalf. And, you, you know, you have a lot of coaches out there. It's, it's kind of scary, but like for us guys who are like fantasy guys and think of things a little more like analytical um, it, it's, it's a little scary, you know, seeing like watching some of these games and you're like, how are you – like, he's your best player. How are you not scheming him and, and getting the ball in his hands? I don't care that, like, the defense is trying to take him away. Like, you – that like, as a coach, like, that's your job as an offensive coordinator is to figure out how to get your best – play. you know, I, like, I, I get it. I know football – like, I – you know, I've coached, you know, with football. So, like, I get it. Like, they're trying to take away your best player – so let, you know, let's beat them with, with our other guys, you know, that's fine. Let, let them double team, you know, our, our best player or whatever. But like, at some point, you can't just allow teams to like do that week in and week out. You, mm-hmm. you as a coach, like, okay, that was that game last week, you know, this is what happened and we just went away from it and we just went to other guys and we mm-hmm. still won the game. But like, I'm staying up at night as an offensive coordinator. I'm like, how am I going to scheme my guy open? You know, I've got to get the ball in his hands. I can't have, you know, the the blueprint, like you're, you're basically creating the blueprint of, of NFL defenses of like how to take away your main guy. And then once they have that and they realize, Oh, no matter what, you know, no matter we're taking him away, They have no interest in finding a way to get him open. Now let's figure out once we've taken away their, their best weapon, how do we beat them by defending the rest of the, the offense, if that makes sense. So Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're just making it easier on, on those teams in the NFL. So I look at it as like, you know, I I want to There's a stat out there that like Adams and Cooper cup are like, two of the highest-owned wide receiver – not highest-owned. Two of the highest – high. yeah, wide receivers that that I, get – I have like double, Let me
2: find that for you, Nelson.
0: Yeah. They get like wh- – whether it's shadow coverage or like a safety over the top, um, you know, that type of – like they're two of the, the highest wide receivers, but like week in and week out, they're still elite. Like they're still scoring touchdowns. You know, Rogers like I was watching like that, that green Bay game uh, last week and I'm sitting there and I'm like, look at how they're setting it up with, it was against Baltimore. Right. And, and I'm watching, I'm like this poor corner. Like he, it was like some young guy, like, you know, the backup or whatever. And you see the safety actually like go over to him and tap him on the thigh. Kind of basically he was saying, he's like, Hey, I'm over the top. Okay. And, they were basically going to double team. So if Adams came in on a slant, like he had no shot, right? The problem was the kid, instead of like creating the outside leverage and not letting Adams, you know, run, you know, that slant to the, to the sidelines, he, he let him do that. And I'm just watching Rogers. I'm like, wait a minute. The safety is like, he's too, he's like too far back. And then I'm looking at the corner and I'm like, this is a fucking touchdown to Adams. And it was like so obvious. Like Adams like set him up and then it was just like an easy throw like to the pylon. So like that's what I'm saying is like those plays, like they're coming in from LaFleur and Rogers, you know, the quarterback is it, it is, you know, making those calls in the huddle of like, you know, I'm going to my go to guy, you know, at that point. Where some teams, like like last night's game, like you're watching like DK Metcalf and he's just running, you know, he's on left side, right side, and just running routes down the sideline. It's like, man, these guys are – this is brutal to watch. No Yeah,
2: it's, it's terrible. And if you're looking for what Nelson's referencing, um, Dwayne McFarlane actually tweeted it. It's Devontae Adams leads the league in um, – Defensive coordinators designing double or help coverage on them. It's Devonte Adams, then DK Metcalf, then Cooper Cup, then George Kittle, who's the only tight end on this list. Uh, Tyler Lockett, Terry McLaurin, AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, and Chase Claypool, and all of those guys saw this sort of coverage um, at least 22.3 percent of the time, which was Chase Claypool at the bottom.
1: Yep. Definitely. And that's, you know, and that when you're an offensive coordinator, you, you know, if you can dictate to the defense what's going to happen rather than letting the defense dictate to you. I mean, that's the key, uh, you know, and, you know, every now and then a defense is going to, you know, they're going to come up with a new wrinkle you haven't seen and, you know, might work for a game. But, you know, like Nelson was saying, your job is to to figure out how to defeat that so that, uh, you know, the next team and the next team and the next team. When they try it, they have to go a different way because you've already figured out how to beat it.
2: And can we just all agree that the Carol needs to go because it's so painful oh, watching? God. I mean, watching DK Metcalf. And and how many times all season long do they just run smoke for DK? You could run smoke yep. for DK at the line scrimmage and just let him do that twice a game, and everybody's feeling good in fantasy. And, and oh, sorry. Whoa.
3: Sorry
2: about that. <laughs> I got excited talking about Pete Carroll. Theo, Theo got so excited he just launched. <laughs> even even the games where he smashed at the beginning of the season, he'd have like a five-target smash game. It's just I can't yep. I can't stand Pete Carroll. Um, all respect to the to the old Pete Carroll, but it's time for a new coach in Seattle for my for my DK Metcalf Dynasty shares, especially.
1: Yep, 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 for sure. Well, guys, we should probably uh get ourselves out of here. We're going to have to be welcoming uh, Santa Claus to the broadcast as well. Um, So, uh, but, but thank you, Nelson, for, for your time. You've been more than generous. I mean, we're, we're a little bit over two hours here, which is uh, it, 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 but it was fantastic content. It felt like, you know, not even half that time. So uh, a lot of fun. Uh, Let's, let's get out here with uh, uh, Nelson, uh, you know, plug anything you want and we'll get Theo to uh, do the same and uh, we'll sign out of here.
0: No, just, you know, uh, like I said, I'm, I'm really excited working with, you know, at FTN and that's a big part of, you know, my thing besides being a fancy player is I actually, I enjoy, you know, helping others. Um, So I feel like I, I am talented enough and, and, blessed enough to you know have done well you know in fantasy football and I feel like that I want to be able to kind of give back and and you know I get enjoyment out of helping others so you know people that want to want to get better at you know fantasy and and want to win you know in 2022 I would I would definitely suggest for them to sign up and and it's not too late to sign up you know, this year, if, if you guys are into like sports betting and, and, uh, DFS, um, there's a promo code FTN TV, uh, that gives you 15% off of everything. So, you you know, sports betting and, and the DFS and and everything else that comes with, you know, what we have there.
1: All right. Good to know. And, um, and I can tell you the sports betting, um, section of it is is very good i've used it before and uh they've you know like when i've gone out to vegas to do the drafts uh i always make sure that uh, i'm hitting those guys up and finding out what the which, which games are on and uh i've i've done very very well with it so that's uh that's that's a great point point. and uh theo uh and by the way i didn't put the uh, code up there on the screen is that correct there nelson yeah yep okay
2: uh, no, I just uh, thank thank you to Nelson for coming back on. Um, we've had him on before the season, and now towards the tail end, it was it was really great to have you and Chad back to back weeks. Um, you know, some some fantastic uh, playoff information for you know people still competing. And uh, I just want to wish a Merry Christmas to everyone listening on the Goat District. Um, you know, we're almost at the end of the year. We've had a great run of shows, like Dan said. Um, there's some some great um, archive shows at this point. That can help anybody out, um, and just good luck in your in your uh, semifinals this week. It's uh, exciting to be playing meaningful games in fantasy football this late in the year, no matter what league you're in. And uh, we hope everybody uh, crushes it and uh, you know cashes some tickets.
1: Yep, absolutely. So again, thanks everybody for listening, and uh, I'll, I'll echo what Theo said. Uh, if you're if you're celebrating Christmas, Merry Christmas. If not. Happy holidays. Uh, certainly hope everybody enjoys their time off, time with family, and, and definitely take time for family. Uh, you know, sometimes it seems like it's, uh, you know, like the last thing you want to do. But uh, really, it, you know, it, it, it's almost always worthwhile. And, uh, you know, if, if you can't do anything else, just, just take the holidays and try to improve your relationship with one family member. Uh, you know, find find some way uh to to just make that a little bit better and if you do that every holiday you're going to find pretty soon that the holidays are actually pretty fun and enjoyable so with that we're going to let you guys go and uh and thank you all for hanging with us